Hello, everyone. This is Sal from Bitcoin Taxes. Welcome to our podcast. Each week, we speak to an expert with knowledge related to cryptocurrency and blockchain technology. Our guests all have a unique perspective or expertise related to cryptocurrency and blockchain technology. The goal of our podcast is to provide information to our listeners about new and existing applications of these rapidly emerging spaces. Our guest today is Laura Walter, aka Crypto Tax Girl. Laura is a CPA who specializes in cryptocurrency, and in the past year and a half, she has helped over 800 people with their crypto taxes. You may have seen her on Twitter before, as she's been tweeting out free crypto tax tips since early 2018, and has quite the following. Laura, thanks for being here today. Thanks. Yeah, thank you. Can you give us a little bit of background about yourself? Yeah, of course. Um, So I guess, as you already said, I am a CPA, and I work in crypto taxes. Um... I got an undergrad in accounting and a master's in tax, and I was working in public accounting for a while. And then once those long hours just kind of got too much for me, I took a little bit of a break and unexpectedly started doing crypto taxes for family and friends and then realized there actually was a bigger need outside of my family and friends. And so now I help people all over the U.S. with their crypto taxes. And um, yeah, like you said, I... A lot of people know me from Twitter, but you know, YouTube and whatever, but I just really enjoy the crypto tax space and there's not very many people in it. So I'm glad to be part of it. I feel like you're almost a bit of a, a celebrity in the, in the crypto world. Honestly. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how many celebrity accountants are out there, but you know, I'll take that title. <laughs> that, that's the goal of this podcast. We want to make every single person a little bit more famous, myself included. Hey, so <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> cool. So how did you first get involved in crypto in general? Um, yeah, so it kind of was a weird story. So back in 2012, I was in college and I had a professor who was just like obsessed with Bitcoin. Mm. And so in one of my business classes, he was talking all about crypto and the technology behind it. And so he actually required everyone in the class to write a paper about crypto. Well, I guess only Bitcoin was really out at the time, but um, specifically about Bitcoin and I need to go back and find that paper to see what I end up writing about it and see what, if I like, you know, made any prophecies that came true. (laughs) But, um, so basically that's how I got introduced to it. And I was basically a broke college student back then. So I didn't have any money and I didn't put any money into crypto, which I should have looking back, obviously. But, um, that's where at least I got introduced to it. So I kind of just kept tabs on it, um, over the next few years while I was in college. And then, um, when I met my husband in 2014, um, he brought it up that he also was really interested in Bitcoin. And by then he'd graduated. So he had a, you know, a little bit of money. So we're like, oh, let's, let's buy some Bitcoin. And so um, it was just like a tiny little bit at the time, but we were just like super excited about it. And we'd watch it go up and down. And I mean, it didn't do much for a while. And then um, this is back when I was still working in public accounting. That was 2017. And we just saw it go up and up and up. And I remember every day we'd like wake up in the morning and check and be like, oh my gosh, like it's going up, it's going up. And he's like, we need to sell our house. So we need to put it all into Bitcoin. And I was like, no, we, I'm not doing it. <laughs> but um, so we were just, you know, that was obviously a crazy year for everyone. But that's when we got really obviously excited about it. And then, um, then when we started doing our taxes in 2018 for all the excitement that happened in 2017, I realized like most people that um, the crypto tax laws are way more confusing than you'd expect. And so that's when I kind of just got really interested in it. Like I've always been the type of person if people are like, hey, can I have a tax question? I'm like, I'd love to do that because I love to like research tax law and I've just always been kind of a nerd that way. 
Um, so yeah, just learning all about that, even though, you know, the tax law we do have on crypto is pretty limited. Um, even just like reading about it and then seeing how it applies to our situation and others was just really interesting to me. It is surprisingly interesting. And maybe to most people it's not, but you know, doing these podcasts and doing research, I myself also enjoy learning about it. So maybe it is a weird thing to want to learn about, but it is interesting to me too. So I feel you on that. <laughs> yeah. We're the nerds, I guess. Yeah, that's cool. That's all right. It's funny too, because like family's always asking me, like, oh, why didn't you buy, you know, Bitcoin a few years ago, Sal? Like, well, I wasn't a mind reader and I was also broke and in college. So I couldn't <laughs> time. I had to buy food and pay my rent. It is yeah, it is. it's surprising. I feel like I have a lot of clients who like make like forty or fifty thousand dollars a year and they and I was doing their tax return and I noticed they put like $40,000 or like $30,000 into crypto in one year. So, I mean, shout out to them for being risky. I definitely could not have <laughs> be able to do that. You know, I wouldn't be able to take half my salary or more and throw it into crypto when it was so, you know, just unknown, but yep. it obviously paid off for them. <laughs> yeah. A lot of crypto uh, millionaires. Well, I mean, I don't know about that anymore, but there were a lot of people that made a good amount of money from crypto for sure. Yeah. It's kind of been a wild ride, but it's totally a different story. I mean, 2017 when I was doing everyone's taxes it was like oh I have I've made so much I don't know how I'm gonna pay all the taxes and then this year it's like I lost so much how do I get all the losses so yeah. it's totally you know a different story year to year yeah. we'll see what happens with the rest of 2019 for sure well it's looking good right now so hopefully it stays like that and then we have the the happening coming up next year so that yeah it's been a fun year increase the price we'll see all right. So there's a lot of crypto tax software out there, including our own service, Bitcoin.tax. Is it still worth it, in your opinion, to work with a CPA to handle your crypto taxes? I mean, I'm a little biased here, <laughs> but um, <laughs> I would definitely say yes, um, just because I can't even tell you how many of my clients. I mean, I definitely do clients that just come to me straight from the beginning and they're like, I don't even want to deal with this. Can you just do it all? And so, you know, they come to me just more for ease and so they don't have a headache about this. But a lot of people are actually interested in doing it themselves and they realize that, you know, being in control of your own crypto taxes and kind of getting more in the weeds and getting involved in the calculations can kind of give you some more knowledge and um, set you up to have a better understanding of where you stand and how different calculations can or different trades that you make can trigger gains or losses. But um, there's so many clients I have that they'll try that. And so they'll get into a crypto tax software, they'll put everything in and then they'll be like, Oh, you know, the number I'm getting isn't what I expected, or I wasn't sure how to treat this. So I just, you know, went with this. Can you look over it? So a lot of my clients actually come to me kind of halfway through the process once they've started and then they realized it was a little bit over their head. And, um, though they could have maybe figured it out with some time or, you know, people come to me and be like, I've worked on this for three weeks straight and I still can't figure it out. And so it's just like a lot of time that they put into it. It's just like anything else out there. If you, I mean, I'm no expert in, um, you know, so many things, obviously, <laughs> but let's say uh, <laughs> like cutting hair, you know, I'm not, I don't know how to cut hair. So sure. I could go and learn how to do it and do it myself and maybe do like a crappy job or I could just go and get someone else to do it for me and it'll look way better. And that's so a analogy. Yeah. I mean, that's every business in the world. Like you could potentially figure it out yourself, but that's why you're going to an expert is so that you don't have to waste all your time learning how to do this. Um, but besides even the time part, going to a CPA, I think a hundred percent of the time will, as long as it's a CPA that knows what they're doing, 
will save you in the end. So though you have to pay the CPA fees, um, the amount of tax they'll save you usually is, you know, worth way more than their fees. And so, so many of my clients will come to me and I'm like, oh, you're actually getting a refund or you're actually at a loss position. And they're like, what? Like, I didn't, I didn't know when I did it myself, I thought I was going to have huge gains or one client's like, yeah, I, I expect about a $300,000 gain. And then I ran his numbers and I was like, oh no, it's actually under a hundred thousand. And he was like, what? Like, no way. Like when I ran it myself, I had all these huge numbers. So I think just having someone look over your data that really can kind of step back and audit it um, with the experience. Like, so like you said, I have over 800 clients. And so I have seen like everything under the sun. There's nothing that people bring to me and I'm like, oh, what the heck is that? Like, usually I've, I've seen it before. I've dealt it with, dealt with it um, with another client. And so I can kind of step back and say, you know, a lot of my other clients had a transaction that looked just like this. It looks like this was a fork or it looked like this was an airdrop or, you know, a vault transfer on Coinbase. There's so many different things, but just having that experience can really obviously like make your numbers come out in a more favorable way, hopefully, or at least be more accurate. Right. And there's a lot of people that really don't, especially now in the early stages, I would say of crypto taxation, there are still plenty of crypto traders who are, and I don't mean this to insult anybody, but relatively clueless when it comes to crypto taxation and maybe they'll get better and more knowledgeable. And that's why these podcasts, that's why we're doing these podcasts to make people more knowledgeable. Hopefully as time goes on, people become more knowledgeable, but as of now on certain um, crypto subreddits, I see a lot of confusion and a lot of misunderstanding about crypto taxation still. Oh, for sure. Like that's why, especially the 2017 tax year. So all throughout 20, 2018 was such a mess. Like there was articles left, right, and center that were just half truths, not truth at all. Like, mm -hmm. and I was just, you know, I want to help everyone. Obviously I can't help everyone out there. So that's why I started the Twitter so I can combat a lot of these you know, fake stories. And even today, like, I mean, it's not like it's gone away. I still see like YouTube videos or interviews similar to this, but just on different platforms. And the person they're interviewing, like, isn't a CPA or, um, you know, they don't personally work with clients. They just like, I don't know how they got their expertise or how they ended up on these software or on these podcasts or interviews, but just what they're saying. And then people will come to me and be like, Hey, I saw this thing. Like, what does this mean? And I'm just like, no, 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 no. Like, that's not true. Like, here's the actual tax um, guidance. Like, feel free to read this. Like, you can see right here that it's not true. And so um, there is obviously some ambiguity in crypto taxation, which is why it's caused like a lot of people to feel confused and why there's a lot of people that are trying to help like, um, like you, like me. There's tons of people out there trying to help to you know, navigate this confusing time that we're in and hopefully we'll get more guidance soon. But even with the lack of guidance, there still is enough out there to guide us through the majority of things. Right. I will say that on every crypto tax related post or tweet, you're always going to have probably that one person that says you don't have to pay crypto taxes. There's always that one guy oh, yeah. or girl that is like, Oh, you're an idiot. You don't have to pay crypto taxes. That's a scam. Oh, okay. If that's the stance <laughs> you want to take, great. But don't spread that information because it's not great advice. Oh, I get like a hundred DMs a day that are just, <laughs> I get like DMs all the time and tweets, taxation stuff, taxation theft. I'm like, okay. Like, yep. if you, yeah, taxation theft. Yeah. I exactly. don't love paying taxes either. Right. It's not like it's my favorite 
thing, but like I also don't like jail. So right. we didn't <laughs> make mean, taxation. We didn't make it exist. It does exist. And, it, you know, we're just navigating. Right. We're trying to help you pay as little as possible. Exactly. Exactly. All right, cool. So <laughs> what would uh, what would you say makes you different from other crypto CPAs? I would say there's a lot of clients also, unfortunately, like just basically like when we were saying that um, people will find out on blogs or whatever this false information, unfortunately, a lot of people also get false information from their own CPA, which is too bad. But I'll have clients that come to me and they're like, oh yeah, my CPA said that um, you don't have to report crypto taxes until 2018. And I'm like, oh, like, unfortunately, that that's not true, you know? And so there's even CPAs who haven't taken the time to brush up on new, you know, new asset classes and mm-hmm. new tax law. They're just kind of sticking to their, what they know. And they're unfortunately misleading taxpayers. So, or even, you know, a CPA will do a quick, you know, they'll try and do a quick research and they'll go and look up what Bitcoin is, or they'll be like, oh yeah, I've heard of Bitcoin. Like I can handle your, your crypto taxes, no problem. But then you start going to them, you're like, okay, great. You know, and then you go to them, you're like, okay, so what should I do about my master node rewards? Mm-hmm. Or um, what do I do about airdrops or staking or ICOs? And then they're like, what? Like, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what any of this is. And so yeah. I've had so many clients, unfortunately, who've gone to other CPAs who've either, they're just a normal CPA that they've said that they know about crypto or they've even coined themselves as crypto CPA. And they've gone to them and spent a lot of money on fees and in the end walked away with either a bad product or unfinished product. And then they'll come to me and I just, I mean, I feel bad. That sucks, but there just aren't very many people out there. So if you are going to do work with a crypto CPA, like make sure they have experience. And so that's one thing that definitely differentiates me from all these other quote unquote crypto CPAs is my experience. Um, I was one of the first crypto CPAs in the business. I think like Bitcoin tax was out when I started, um, but there really was only you and a couple of other crypto tax softwares at the time. There weren't really any crypto CPAs. There were people who could handle crypto, but it was limited. And so I just, I realized there was a huge lack in the market. And so I came and um, with that, I've been able to help a lot of people. And also it's great to use a crypto tax software, but also having a crypto CPA do it is they'll actually touch your information. They're, you know, they're actually putting it in and they're reviewing it. And I, I do the full reconciliation process myself. Um, I don't use like computers and I don't do use like a, you know, materiality level to try and determine whether or not, um, you know, oh, it's close enough. Let's just go with that. Right. I really review through all your data and I totally reconcile it. And so then that way, like I am a hundred percent confident that what I give you is a hundred percent accurate. Like I can totally, if it was ever audited, like I welcome it. Like my information is a hundred percent accurate right. and I can like guarantee that. And so that's one thing that makes me different is my experience and that I'm actually like touching your information. A lot of other crypto CPAs are like, oh yeah, I can, I can do the crypto part, but I won't do the reconciliation process or I don't calculate it. The, num- the, uh, the client has to calculate it for me. And I'm like, well, that's why they're coming to you. Like anyone could put it on the tax return. It's the actual calculation part that's confusing. So that's probably one thing that makes me different. I work with a circle of a bunch of other crypto CPAs and there's about three or four other guys out there who I trust. And um, even, you know, with crypto, obviously there's always new things coming up. So if ever we have a question, we'll go and like have a call or email with each other and say, Hey, how have you seen this? How have you treated it? Um, That's good that there's a few people out there who I can trust. For sure. I mean, having knowledge and having done your research is something that definitely sets you apart. 
And also, I just wanted to point out that you did mention having a CPA do your crypto taxation for you. With Bitcoin taxes, with, with the CPA version, the CPA and the client can both work on their crypto taxes together. So that's kind of like a nice, uh, nice little plug for Bitcoin taxes there. But it is possible with our service for the CPA and the client to work together. Yeah, I always like to get my client involved for sure, especially like, you know, throughout the process, usually I have to go back and forth with them on a few different questions that I have and kind of holes in their data. But even at the end, I always love to have a call with a client or touch base with them and kind of, you know, it's one thing to do crypto taxes, but it's another thing to also do some like crypto tax planning. And with the tax offers out there, it's awesome because you can kind of take a look at your current position and, make a plan for the future so that going forward, you know, one tax, once tax day comes, you should already know what you owe. There shouldn't be any surprises going forward. And so that's a really good time to do tax planning, you know, before year end, look at like what kind of loss harvesting can we do? Um, can we try and maximize your long-term capital gains? Is it better to sell Bitcoin or ETH? Which one will, in order to buy an altcoin, which one will create a larger taxable event, like things like that. And so having a CPA involved will also really help you with the planning stage because they're able to look at your data in a way that you wouldn't because you don't maybe understand all the different tax laws or you're just not used to thinking that way. And so that's one thing that also I think is another benefit for a CPA working on your data. Right. Absolutely. And so we kind of touched on this a little bit earlier, but you know, I was saying there's always somebody saying that you don't have to pay your crypto taxes. Um, some people think because of the lack of guidance from the government in general, that means that you don't have to report anything. Uh, what's your opinion on that? Oh, I mean, obviously I don't agree with that statement. <laughs> um, but yeah, a lot of people are like, oh, crypto taxes is confusing. You know, the IRS isn't, isn't issuing anything new. So that means we don't have to report. Well, I mean, that's not true. Or people are like, you know, Bitcoin's currency, like we don't need to report anything. But even if you like think Bitcoin's currency and not as an investment, which I mean, I'm on board with that thinking, but unfortunately you can't just think that. And then that's what becomes the tax law. Like right. the tax law is what is in there right now. And though it may be antiquated and it needs to be updated, it says in there that, um, and we've had this guidance since 2014, that crypto is property and it's subject to property tax laws. So though there may be ambiguity in some other things like airdrops and forks um, that aren't really common to other types of property, there are like anytime you trade, anytime you sell, anytime you spend this property, it's very clear how it needs to be taxed. It needs to be reported as a capital gain or loss. And there's just there's no like arguing with that. So even though there may be lack of guidance, like, okay, yeah, maybe you have some flexibility as to how you want to treat your forks or your airdrops. Like, mm -hmm. you know, and if, if you want to trade it one way, the more conservative way, maybe one way is a little more aggressive. Like, I think you have a little bit of leeway there to, to do that because um, there isn't any specific guidance there. But where there is specific guidance, like there isn't leeway. Like you need to um, follow the tax law that we've been given. And so even though you may think it, and you don't really agree with it, that is the tax law and there's just no arguing it. And so um, in order to avoid a headache down the road and also high interest, high penalties, if you were ever audited, um, reporting everything correctly now will totally save you down the road. Yeah, absolutely. And on that topic, um, the commissioner of the IRS actually recently made a statement saying that uh, crypto tax guidance would be released soon, updated crypto tax guidance would be released soon. Um, I know you tweeted about that. So what are you hoping would be included in that guidance? And what do you think is currently lacking? 
There's definitely a lot that's lacking because, I mean, even if we think back to 2014 versus now, like crypto has evolved a ton and it's only going to keep evolving. And so um, there definitely is a lot of holes and there's um, guidance that we need. So some things like I already mentioned, forks and airdrops, but specifically what we need is um, figuring out how to assign a cost basis to those because there's definitely like two different arguments out there. So one is that Forks and airdrops, you're not like paying anything for them. I didn't have to take extra crypto or extra USD and pay to receive these forked or airdrop coins. So my cost basis should be zero because I paid zero dollars for them. Um, but other people see it more as like a gift or a tip, which uh, means that if you receive a gift or not a gift, sorry, a tip or like a winning. So if you, for example, like find hundred dollars on the floor technically you're you're required to report that in your right. on your tax return but which you know that's pretty small but let's say for example you like a lottery ticket like if you found like a, a yeah example or you like go on a game show and you win like a thousand dollars or something that's you know a win so some people say like receiving a fork or airdrop is more like a win for me i am more on the side of treating everything as a zero dollar cost basis and another reason i do that is just for consistency purposes because so many forked and airdrop coins like the value of them is just all over the place when they first come out a lot of them are worth basically nothing or they start as something, but then they go down to being worth nothing. Right. So instead of including all of that in as income, and especially because a lot of them, like you didn't even ask for, like if you go on a game show, like you're there hoping that you win, you know, or something, or if you in the lottery, you're hoping that you win. Mm -hmm. If you're just holding crypto and things show up in, as an airdrop, it's like, well, I, there's nothing you could really do to like prevent that. Like they just showed up. So you shouldn't have to pay taxes on those because as of right now, they're not, they don't have any value to you. So I think you should treat everything as a $0 cost basis and only recognize um, them on your tax return when they actually have value. So if you recognize a fork and then, you know, it ends up being worth a couple thousand dollars and um, you either trade it for USD or for another crypto, then at that point you receive something worth of value for that coin and that's when you actually recognize it. Um, so in that case, I just treat everything as a $0 cost basis and then recognize it as a capital gain equal to the full amount of whatever the fair market value was on the day that you sell, trade, or spend it. Um, and that's, you know, again, that's just my opinion. That's not tax law. But to me, that just like makes the most sense and it's easiest for consistency purposes. So I'm hoping that the IRS will um, speak about that. They did mention in that letter that you you brought up that they actually are going to release specific guidance on that. So that would be really helpful. They also talked in that letter about um, discussing or, you know, talking about what, what accounting methods are appropriate for assigning cost basis. So hmm. that means, um, is it possible to use FIFO or LIFO or specified lots or HIFO or, you know, all these other different um, tax calculation softwares I know, uh, or, tax calculation methods. I know on uh, Bitcoin.tax, you guys offer a lot of different accounting methods. And so it looks like you've taken the stance that, you know, any of them are acceptable right now or, you know, we, you're we letting take the stance that, yeah, we let, exactly. We let, we want to give that option to people. We don't, we don't take an official stance, but we say, Hey, here they all are. If you want to use them, it's all you, but it's your decision if you want to use them. Right. And that's kind of a, should have a right similar stance to what I take. Yeah. yeah. We know that FIFO is kind of the default. If um, if there is no guidance, FIFO is the default. So that's like the most conservative and what I usually recommend. But um, 
for a lot of clients, switching to LIFO or specified lots can really change their numbers. And so if they want to take it, I allow them to just, they have to understand that there is a potential risk that that won't be allowed in the future. And if not, they might have to amend or adjust their, their calculations going forward. Um, so to be determined, but I would love some guidance saying like whether LIFO, because right now I let my clients do it because it's not that they haven't said LIFO is allowed, but they also haven't said LIFO isn't allowed. So right. we're just kind of waiting to see, you know, we have to just let the taxpayer choose and hope that um, the IRS will agree with that method. But I think, again, like consistency is key, like using the same method year to year is the most important, I think. Yeah, I've, I've heard that tip quite often. And it's funny with the, with the forks and the airdrops, there is a big debate and people I've talked to, there's a debate about whether to use fair market value or zero cost basis. But in the end, you're basically going to be paying the same taxes on it. And an easy way, and some people might not get that when I say it, but an easy way to look at it is if, let's say you get one altcoin as an airdrop put a zero cost basis to it, right? So it costs you zero, the, the cost basis is zero, and then you sell it later for 500 USD. You're paying $500 gains right there. You're, you're paying taxes on $500 worth of gains. If you had given that a $250 cost basis, you'd be paying an income tax on $250. If you sold it for 500, you'd be paying a capital gains tax on $250. So you're still paying tax on $500 either way, you look at it, you're paying your income tax on the 250 and the capital gains tax on the 250, or you're just paying the capital gains tax on the 500 from a zero cost basis. So you're pretty much just deferring your gain essentially. The only time it would be different is if you, um, if you hold on to that airdropped coin with for more than a year, because then it would be taxed at the long-term rate, which is lower. Or if you recognize a high amount of income and then it ends up going down and your losses are, end up being more than $3,000, so you end up paying more because you have to recognize the value of it when you received it and then you don't really have that loss to offset it. So like in that example you just gave, let's say it was $600 when you got it, so you included mm-hmm. $600 of income and then you sold it for $500, you would have a $100 loss. So you know, obviously you can deduct a $100 loss, but let's say you know we times that number by a thousand, you know, then it's a it's a ten thousand dollar loss. Like, okay, now you can only deduct three thousand, but you still had to recognize um, sixty thousand dollars as income. So that's where um, there's a little bit of when it could, you know, choosing one way or the other would impact you. But yeah, if you absolutely end up selling them all within a year, you like you said, it's going to be the same regardless. Right. So for the average person and the average trader, it's it's pretty much going to be the same. But those are two great examples of how for a more serious trader or somebody that is looking to hold for over a year then that distinction is definitely one that does matter. But for most people, probably not a huge deal, but it is still a, a kind of controversial thing. People don't know whether to do zero or to do fair market value. And for the most part, like I said, it's not going to affect that many people, except those, those real yeah. you know, fat cats of the crypto world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it definitely can be confusing. Um, so again, you just have to choose your best and be consistent. But yeah, and, and even like, so yeah, Forks airdrops, LIFO versus FIFO or other accounting methods. And then I think also like having some more guidance about ICOs would be helpful. Mm-hmm. So for example, there definitely is a debate there too as to whether um, the ICO holding period and, co- and cost basis starts when the ETH was sent for mm-hmm. the ICO or when you actually received the ICO coin. Because right. as you know, you know, you could send some ETH to buy an ICO and then you don't get the ICO coin until three months or even three years later, right? And yeah. so um, when does it start? And there's definitely some ambiguity there. I'd love some guidance. Um, 
on yeah, that's that. a tricky one for sure. So that would be great to have some guidance on. Absolutely. And people are, ICOs are huge now. I mean, they were, they were huge before and then there was a whole lot of scams with ICOs. So maybe they like dipped a yeah. little bit in popularity, but I know that people still invest in ICOs a lot. Yeah, they're definitely out. I and mean, they're part of the crypto space now, like there's no mm-hmm. denying it. So um, there needs to be guidance on it. And then, yeah, things even like if you receive like gas for holding NEO or um, something like that, like how is that to be treated or staking rewards, mining, we already have guidance on mining. And so I assume that stake staking rewards and masternode rewards would be treated the same, but I would love, you know, them to, to talk about that. Um, whether there can be a de minimis tax law put into place yeah. for for crypto so that for those who aren't familiar with de minimis that means so right now it's currently out there for foreign currency so that's why when you go on a vacation to Europe if you take out some euros and go there and then the price of euros fluctuate relative to USD you don't have to pay taxes on the difference in price just like you would like with bitcoin and that's because there's a de minimis rule so that's saying if your transaction is under a certain amount or you know the gain or loss is under a certain amount then you don't have to pay tax on that so i know actually i saw yesterday um on twitter that australia just put out a de minimis law saying that if it's under ten thousand um australian dollars then it doesn't need to be reported so that's awesome like i think the de minimis law for foreign currency is only six hundred dollars in the u.s but I mean, $10,000, that would be awesome. That would totally make it so that crypto could be super adoptable. Like if I want to buy goods with crypto, I don't have to worry about all the taxes. If I want to trade small amounts here and there, I don't have to worry about it. Like that would just be awesome. So yeah, to be determined if they'll, if they'll include that. But I know a lot of, there's been a lot of bills proposed and like letters written by policymakers trying to convince the IRS to implement a de minimis law so that crypto can actually be adopted and you don't have to worry about paying taxes when you buy like a five dollar cup of coffee with um with bitcoin right i think i mean a ten thousand dollar de minimis exception would be pretty insane and i'm sure a lot of people would absolutely love that um and like you said it would definitely help adoption um i think more realistically i mean i could be totally wrong here but if they were to implement a de minimis exception i would think that it would be a smaller one so that like you said people could buy a cup of coffee and not have to worry about hey what are my capital gains on this coffee i just bought i think that's a realistic one that is absolutely necessary a ten thousand dollar one would be great but to me it just sounds like yeah. you know that's that's awesome that australia did that maybe the u.s will take a, a page from their book but you know we all know yeah. how it goes in the states with crypto and with the irs i mean they they want to make the, their money they want to get their money and that's taxation for you love it or hate it which most people hate it but it is what it is <laughs> you know so i mean that would be sweet for sure we'll have to see yep absolutely all right so you've been in the space a while you've been dealing with a lot of clients what would your top biggest tax tips for crypto holders be Hmm. Okay. Number one, this is so simple, but honestly, it'll change your life if you do it. Make sure that you regularly, like maybe monthly or quarterly, even annually, honestly, you'd be a step above everyone else, but go through all your exchanges and wallets and just do a quick CSV or Excel download of all of your data, or even just write down what coins you had in at a certain time. And that will just save you such a headache. Like there have been so many exchanges. I mean, especially with the dip in crypto in 2018 that ended up closing um, or just like, you know, in the blink of an eye, all of a sudden they're off air and um, 
you're not able to access your data anymore. Or even if they gave you warnings saying like, hey, we're closing, um, you know, take time to pull your crypto out soon. People pull their crypto out, but they don't pull their records. And then they come to me and they're like, okay, I need to do my taxes. Oh, also I lost all this data. Um, that obviously can cause a big headache um, because then your CPA has to recreate all that history based off like emails you may have, your own memory, fair market values. Um, but it's just, it's not the best way to do it for sure. Like it can be done, but it's expensive and it's not um, the best way. Right. And so I would definitely recommend like downloading your data as often as you can and just saving it on a file somewhere so that you have it just in case like the crypto exchange goes under. That's a great piece of advice. And people in the crypto space are pretty fairly tech savvy. I mean, most people. So it shouldn't be too hard to create a folder on your desktop or wherever and just label it trading information or crypto trading and just toss all your CSVs in there. Like you said, if you can do it a couple times a year, every month, whatever you can do, it's, it's a smart thing to do. Yeah, definitely do that. Um, even if you like have APIs linked up, sometimes API links will break and you don't just because like, for example, like let's say Coinbase does an update on their end. Um, now their API like no longer works. So you have to repull it. And if you didn't realize it was broken, you might just be assuming that it's pulling through all your data. But then, you know, at the end of the year, when you go into your taxes, you realize, oh, it wasn't pulling in anything after um, August or whatever. And it was broken. And now Coinbase went under and now I don't have, I'm not able to access my data. So yeah, definitely. Even if you think you're covered, like just always pull that information and it'll really save you a lot of headache later. Um, but then as far as other tax tips go, like along with that, um, when you're reconciling your crypto taxes, that's the first step in crypto taxation is gathering all your crypto data. I can't tell you how many clients come to me and they say, oh, I'm like, what, what exchanges and wallets did you use? They're like, um, I only had Coinbase and Binance. I'm like, you sure that's all? And they're like, yep, that's it. And, you know, next thing you know, they have like 15 different exchanges and wallets. And I'm like, hey, where did where did this Bitcoin go? It looks like two Bitcoin left your Coinbase, but it didn't go into Binance. So where did it go? Yep. Like, oh, you know, I only use like Coinbase Pro for a few trades. So I didn't think you needed that. Or like, oh, I had a Trezor set up for a little while. And it's like, OK, even if you only had one transaction there, like I need that information. I know it sounds like it doesn't totally make sense, but. Um, if you just step back and think about it, like if I sent one Bitcoin to, let's say, Bittrex and I only did one or two trades there and then um, I let's say I end up with an altcoin or something and I send it back into my Binance account. If all of a sudden, like, you know, 500 Tezos comes into my Binance wallet, but there's no Bittrex linked up, then I'm not going to know, like, what was the cost basis of that? Have I been holding it um, for a month, a year, a day, like I have no idea. So that's why you need all that information linked up so that your cost bases don't get messed up. So when you're doing your crypto taxes, try and make a full comprehensive list from the beginning of all exchanges and all wallets that you've done. Um, Cause that's where so many people, you know, they'll use the crypto tax software and then they'll get an error because they're missing an exchange or a wallet. And then they're like, Oh, this crypto tax software sucks. Like right. it doesn't work. Like I need to try another one. It's like, no, the tax software <laughs> is great. It's like, you didn't upload like half of your information or <laughs> right. there are 100 holes in your data. So um, yeah, so basically just make sure you include everything. And if you're getting errors, it means you're missing something. Even though you may think you have everything, you're missing something still. Right, right. So um, you need to do a reconciliation, which is that second step. And so if you don't know how to reconcile, um, you know, I know that your team offers a lot of support in that process, which is really nice of you. I don't know if I'd be willing to do that much um, for free, but um 
that's, that's when working with a CPA or like, um, I have a course that teaches you how to do the reconciliation or, um, I have like a YouTube thing, like just learning how to do that reconciliation process is where the numbers actually start making sense. Because if you put garbage in, you're going to get garbage out. And so the reconciliation actually takes those numbers and makes them usable and makes the information that you comes out like actually accurate. Right. It's the reconciliation is necessary. There's plenty of ways to do it. Like you said, you can check out your videos, check out your courses. We have our support staff will help you out. I'm sure other services have a support staff, maybe not as great as ours, but I'm sure that their support staff will help you out. There's plenty of ways to do it. The point is that you need to reconcile your data. You need to look it all over. You need to make sure everything looks good. You're not missing any data. And to add on, I think Shapeshift, I don't think they give any history of your yeah, uh, that one's a mess. trades. Yeah, so be, be really careful with stuff like that. And there's always new crypto exchanges popping up. So make sure if you're buying some crypto or trading some crypto, you need to have a record of it. And if they don't provide you with a record, you got to pull out a pen and paper or a, an Excel file and type that in so you have that information and you know your cost bases. Yeah, exactly. Like with Shapeshift, like you said, there's nothing you can upload from them, but you still have to put in all those trades manually or else um, your data will just be completely inaccurate. Like even if you did one Shapeshift transaction, it can ruin all of your data unless you put in that one transaction correctly. So otherwise it'll show, you know, two Bitcoin withdrawal and then it'll show 10 ETH deposit, but there's nothing connecting those two. So you need to go in and add a trade showing that the Bitcoin turned into the ETH and that's how, you know, that's where the taxable event happened and that's where the cost basis got assigned. Otherwise, again, it'll create so many errors. And so do the reconciliation process. And even if you have every single exchange and wallet linked in there, you still need to do the reconciliation process because if you had income, a gift, you spent crypto, um, you bought something for your buddy, which again, I would not recommend doing that. But if you bought something for your buddy and then you sent it to him, like all of this stuff needs to be reconciled and needs to be accounted for. And so, yeah, definitely just make sure you do not skip that process. (laughs) Absolutely. Agreed. All right. Awesome. So are there any more tips uh, you want to share with our audience? I mean, there's so many tips, honestly, I could give, (laughs) but, um, you know, I can't give it away all yet. So I would say like another big thing, um, that a lot of clients just that they always looking back there end up like kicking themselves thinking, why didn't I think about this earlier is before January 1st comes for each year, like even if you're doing it on December 31st, but sometime around like October, November, December, that last kind of quarter of the year go in and take a look at your crypto taxes. Like don't think, oh, you know, I have till April 15th. I'll just calculate it like April 1st. Do it October, November, December of the year before. And that will give you so much power to decrease your crypto tax liability. Like I just, I feel so bad. I was just talking to a client recently who um, in 2018 at the beginning when crypto was still spiking and, you know, numbers were still quite high. They made a lot of gains at the beginning of 2018. And then they saw crypto falling. Like a lot of us did, you know, the rest of 2018 and they just kind of wrote it out they they just watched it fall thinking like you know it'll go back up again we'll wait but then they went to do their taxes and realized they have all these gains from the beginning of 2018 and they have no losses to offset it because they didn't sell anything where had you know i went and looked at their data and i'm like look you were had um you know three hundred thousand dollars worth of losses that were unrealized um at the time and so even if you had just taken one of those coins and sold it and then rebought it the next day, you could have realized those losses, but you can't deduct them if they're unrealized. So if they're just sitting there and you are just holding and um, like I said, rioting it out, mm-hmm. you're not going to be able to deduct any of those losses. So if you have gains, 
take a look at those losses, even though it sucks to have the losses, sell them and then just rebuy it the next day. So you're still holding those coins because if you still think, you know, they're going to go up one day, I still want to have these, that's totally fine. But realize that loss and then rebuy it. And then that way going forward, you know, you can just totally reduce your tax liability or even eliminate it. Maybe even get a refund there um, by taking a $3,000 loss. So again, like just take a look at your stuff before the end of the year and see if there's anything you can do from a tax planning perspective to reduce your tax liability. I think that's uh, an amazing piece of advice. And I think as long as people understand that in the US, there's no, or the wash sale rule doesn't apply to cryptocurrency. So if you're thinking to yourself, oh, how can I sell a coin and then buy it back the next day? It's a wash sale. Well, wash sale rules don't apply to cryptocurrency. That's how it is right now. Wash sale rules do not that's apply. True. So take full advantage of that. That's great advice. Um, yeah, really, really solid tip there. So hopefully list, people will listen to that and do that this year. Yeah, for sure. And even if in that new guidance, they do say now wash sale rules apply or something, right. that's fine. That means just you have to move everything back, you know, an extra 30 days. So maybe October, or November, go and take a look at things, not December 31st. You have to give yourself a little more wiggle room in case you're going to do that. But yeah, as of right now, it doesn't apply. So go ahead, sell your Bitcoin, buy it back a couple of days later, even an hour later, you're good to go. Right. All right. And so finally, um, you are working on a review of the different tax calculation services, including Bitcoin.tax. There are a lot of them. What is one thing that stood out to you about Bitcoin.tax? Because I know you've used a, a few different services. Um, yeah. So like you said, there are so many crypto tax softwares out there. And I think when it comes to choosing a tax software, what you need to do is think like, what is most important to you? So is it portfolio management? Is it simplicity? Is it, um, you know, do you like having a lot of support? Do you, are you looking for the cheapest? Like what is the pros and what are the cons that you're looking for? Obviously we want accuracy, so please prioritize that. Mm -hmm. But um, other than that, like what other things are important to you? So one thing about Bitcoin tax that I really liked is, um, obviously the price. So if, you know, if you're worried about price and a lot of people will say, you know, I'm not a big trader. Like I've only invested, you know, a thousand or less dollars and I'm like a college student or something and they can't afford to pay my fees. Then I always recommend that they just use a crypto tax software to, you know, do it themselves. And so Bitcoin.tax would be great for them because you guys have plans starting at like $30. And I, I know even up to, um, 10,000 trades, which like 99% of my clients fall under that limit. Mm -hmm. It's only $50 too. And I know like most other crypto tax softwares are $100 plus some of them even being like two, $300. I know you guys have plans for that can hold even more than 10,000 trades if needed, but your average person doesn't have more than 10,000 trades. So it's a really good inexpensive option. I like also that you guys, um, you can change your accounting method year to year if needed, and um, it'll automatically calculate that correctly for you. So like we just said with the new IRS guidelines, let's say you've been using LIFO all these years. And then um, next year they say, okay, now you need to start using FIFO. Like FIFO is the only thing that is acceptable. Um, and there's no like questions asked there. If that's the case, um, they can't retroactively go and make you apply FIFO, but they need, you need to make cost basis adjustments because let's say, for example, you've been using LIFO this whole time and then you just switch to FIFO and you use it on another crypto tax software that only allows you to choose one. So um, if, if you do FIFO year to year, then that's going to definitely change your tax calculation year to year. 
But if you do LIFO and then switch to FIFO, you need to adjust your cost basis accordingly. And so um, I like that Bitcoin.tax allows you to switch so that if that was the case, like you're not going to have inaccurate calculations. You're not have to going to go through and manually adjust all these, adjust those for you. Um, or if you did like kind in the previous year and then um, you are like, obviously we know for 2018, like kind does not apply. Even 2017, that's a bit of a question mark there. But if you did do that and that's the position you're choosing to take, you know, you're allowed to do that. Um, and if that's the position you chose to take, you need to also adjust your cost basis for 2018 um, for like kind. And, you know, I don't know if you want me to expand on how that adjustment, why that adjustment is needed. I can if you want, or, you know, if people have questions about this, they can feel free to reach out. But I'm telling you, a cost basis adjustment is required if you use like kind and you're now um, not using like kind because you're not allowed. Or if you did FIFO to LIFO or you're doing any other adjustment there, you need to you need to go back and change your cost basis. Right. And like you said, I mean, I appreciate the compliments and you're right about choosing one that works for you. That's definitely the most important part. But in terms of like LIFO and FIFO and like kind, um, like you said, that adjustment is important. But with Bitcoin.tax, as long as you have your data in there, like if you did LIFO in 2016 and you did FIFO in 2017 and then you did highest cost first in 2018, we'll uh, rectify all of that automatically. That'll all be um, properly tracked. And if you use like kind one year and didn't another year, that's all properly tracked on Bitcoin.tax. So we'll save you that headache at least of having to go back and, and change all the, the cost basis values and everything like that. Yeah. I mean, there's still a risk the IRS will disagree with it and you're going to have to go back and reamend anyways. But even if they don't or you don't get audited, it'll just help know that going forward, everything's accurate and has been adjusted correctly. And there wasn't like gains or losses left on the table because your adjustments were incorrect. Absolutely. Well, hey, Laura, I mean, I'm sure a lot of people are looking forward to your review. I know a lot of people were asking you to do it. We're excited um, at Bitcoin Taxes to see the review as well. Happy to, to be a part of it. Appreciate you checking into our, our service and reviewing it. Um, so we'll definitely look forward to that. Do you want to let everybody know when that will be releasing or uh, about when it'll be releasing? Um, I'm hoping for end of June, early July. Um, there's still a few other crypto tax softwares I need to touch base with, but um, yeah, so maybe in the next you know month or so. <laughs> okay, perfect. I mean, it's a daunting task, so I definitely uh, understand that it takes a lot of time because there are a lot of tax calculation services out there, so... It's right. like exchanges every day. One pops up, you know, always, but, um, yeah. So I'm just trying to help, you know, people navigate so they can choose the best one for them. It, it makes total sense because when you're presented with tons of options, it is difficult to choose which option is right for you. And it's really tough too. Cause sometimes you can Google something with any product you Google it. You're like, Oh, how's this compared to others? And you instantly get sent to a link that is clearly by that company that says, you know, hey, this is how we're better than everybody else. And it's tough because you just want an honest review. So I think it's great that you're doing an honest review of uh, all the services. So definitely. Yeah, and I'm not, I'm not paid by any of these crypto tax software companies. I'm not affiliated with any of them. I mean, I'm not even affiliated with you guys. I am going to list the pros and I'm going to list the cons for you guys. Yeah. Um, and so they're like, yeah, what I'm saying is not coming from any sort of like, bias um towards one like i'm totally going to be transparent with everyone so hopefully um you guys will check that out when it comes out but um until then yeah like i mean it's not really tax season right now so I'm, i don't think right. very many people are worried about calculating right now so there's not huge sense of urgency but 
when um, the tax season comes again and towards the end of the year, you can definitely reference this to help you help you navigate it. Great. Well, hey, thanks for being here today. It was a really great discussion. Um, if somebody wanted to get in touch with you, what would be the best way for them to reach out to you? I mean, Twitter, you can always find me there. I'm always tweeting. Um, that's just at CryptoTaxGirl. Um, but like I said, I get so many DMs, so it's hard to go through all of those. So if you really want to get in contact with me, um, the best way probably is email. So just CryptoTaxGirl at gmail.com. Um, or you can go to my website, CryptoTaxGirl.com. Basically just CryptoTaxGirl <laughs> everywhere. Um, but yeah, so if you, could go, if you go to my website, you can either like schedule a consultation um, we can start calculating your crypto taxes. Or like I said, I can even do a review or pick up halfway. Um, I can help you prepare your tax return. We can do tax planning. Or again, like I said, like if you want to just do it on your own and you just like want a little bit of guidance, so you don't waste so much time um, trying to figure it out and trying to navigate these crypto tax softwares. I also have a course that teaches you, Life well, 2, one that teaches you all about crypto taxes. So if you're like a trader or in any way involved in crypto, like I would definitely recommend that course just so that every transaction that you do, you'll kind of have in the back of your mind, like how is this going to impact my taxes and you understand the impact it's going to have. And then the other course assumes that you already know like the crypto tax laws and it teaches you how to like do that reconciliation process and make sure you're not missing anything. So um, yeah, so basically just if you need anything as much or as little service as you need, um, I am willing to help. All right, everyone, thanks for listening to the Bitcoin Taxes podcast. Be sure to stay tuned for future podcast episodes discussing a range of crypto and blockchain-related topics. If you'd like to be on the show or if you'd just like to request a guest for us to interview, you can reach out to us via email at podcast at bitcoin.tax or via Twitter at bitcoin tax.